following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Exodus chapter 18, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you have one. Um, this is the third in our series on, um, call it group effort, talking about our need to, to uh, not work alone, uh, to work as part of the body of Christ. And uh, this by far is the most relevant of those topics, so let's, uh, let's read together from Exodus 13. Exodus 18, starting in verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because... The people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bride. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Um, anybody here an expert in something? Nobody? You're all so bashful and, and humble, right? Well, uh, I know there's a lot of expertise out here. Uh, I feel like one of the things that I am an expert in, I feel like I am a, a master and an expert in the art of burnout. Because I've done that actually quite well uh, a number of times, especially when I was younger and not so smart. And I wish I could say I, I, I mostly burn out for noble reasons. And I think there are some uh, noble ways we will see that uh, to burn out. But for me, a lot of burnout came for very poor reasons. Uh, one was that I was, uh, earlier in my life, 
trying to find my identity in performing well and uh, feeling important and needed by people. Great way to set yourself up for burnout. Um, through much of my life, I've been a people pleaser and feel the pressure to live up to people's expectations. Another great way to end up burning out. Um, and I, I haven't always had good boundaries amount of my time in my life. All those things were factors for burnout. Um, but when we look at the story of Moses, I don't think any of those were the reasons that, that Moses was at risk for burnout. And as we see this story, Jethro's looking at what Moses is doing, and he's, he's, he's telling Moses, look, if you keep doing this, you're going to either end up, you know, completely burning out or you're going to kill somebody, right? Because that's what happens when you burn out and get too stressed. Um, but for, for Moses, it was for a different reason. I think a very legitimate and noble reason. And the reason is that uh, Moses was at risk for burnout because he was trying to genuinely care for the people of Israel. Uh, you see him uh, meeting with the people from morning to night, uh, listening to their problems, uh, willing to uh, hear their disputes, and he's wanting to personally help every single person. Very noble and very commendable, Moses' heart and his concern for them. But also very unsustainable. And Jethro sees quickly, you know, you just you can't do this. This is not going to work. And so he gives him some suggestions to fix the problem. Um, so, so I think Moses... Moses' intentions here, we need to be clear from the very beginning. He's wanting to do a good thing. He's wanting to care well for people. But he's doing it in a way that's just not going to work for him or for the people. Uh, now, you may not be here this morning as the leader of a small nation like Moses was. But I know there's a lot of people here who are leading at different levels. And actually, this, this really applies to leadership at, at any level. Whether you're a parent leading your children if you are a teacher leading a classroom, if you are a leader in a church or in a ministry organization or a company, uh, we all have the opportunity to lead and, uh, and care for people. And so this, this is applicable for any of us. In fact, if we're part of the body of Christ, it is our role, our responsibility to be looking after one another, to be caring for each other. And there's a great way to do that, and there's a not-so-great way to do that. So um, th this is very applicable, very real-life stuff. Um, and if I could summarize the whole message into one sentence, this is what I want to sh share from this passage. Good leaders care for people, but they also work hard to develop and empower others to share the burden of caring for people. Right? Good leaders care for people. But they also know how to develop and empower others to share that burden with them. Uh, so let's unpack uh, the story. Uh, again, let me just read verse 13 again. It says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people. The people stood around him from morning till evening. Uh, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Um, I'm not sure if uh, Moses was an introvert or an extrovert. I'm thinking a guy who could spend 40 years as a shepherd out in the wilderness, totally by himself for weeks on end. He could be an he could be a, an introvert. Just saying, right? Chances are pretty good. 
And for a person like this to be surrounded from morning till evening by people who are needing your help is pretty much the closest thing to torture imaginable. Uh, but he does it, right? He cares for his people. He loves these people. And he uh, sits, uh, in essence, holding court. And in, in the ancient times, it was very common, uh, kind of the norm, that the king or leader of a nation would also serve as its judge. Um, so people looked to, to Moses for this role. He says, you're our leader, and so you're the guy who can fix our problems. And so they would come and they would line up massive crowds of people all day long. And Moses, just picture this, as Moses is sitting there and these huge crowds around him and you know, he gets one problem solved and there's just another and another and another uh, all day long, from morning to sun, sunrise to sunset. And Jethro observes this. Jethro was visiting. Remember he brought, we looked at this last week, brought Moses' wife and kids back and he's observing Moses' work and he's going, Moses... What are you doing? Right? What are you doing? Why are you sitting alone doing this? And uh, it's interesting Moses' answer. And it's important that we understand what, what Moses' motivation is, what his purpose is in this. Right? He's not here trying to please people or just feel important. But he tells us his heart in this, and it's a good heart. He says, I do this because the people come to me to inquire of God. Inquire of God. Very interesting. We'll come back to that. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make, no, make them know the statutes of God's and his laws. Um, so here we get a, a picture of what, what exactly it is Moses is doing and why. Um, and what's very interesting is that he is, um, he is not, he's not Judge Judy. <laughs> have you ever seen the TV show? One of these TV judges who comes in and in 10 minutes, here's a case, and boom, makes a decision and fixes everything in 15 minutes, right? That's not what Moses is doing here. It says that his primary purpose is he is coming to inquire of God, right? So, um, so he, he is acting in many senses as much a prophet as he is a judge. And, and this is before and, and after this, the next section we move into will be uh, the Israelites at Mount Sinai, where God gives the commands, the Ten Commandments, as well as all the other rules and regulations. But actually, that process is already starting now. As Moses hears these disputes and these problems in these cases, and Moses goes to God, and he inquires from God what God's answer is. Right? What it is God would have from his commands, his laws, his way of doing things to settle these differences and these problems. So in many sense, he's acting as a prophet as much as a judge who's, who's trying to get a word from God about every single problem. And he does this because he cares deeply about the people and he wants them to find God's solutions for their problems. He's not just giving his own wisdom here because this would be much quicker and easier. Just be better having two people come, say, you're an idiot, you're almost an idiot, but you're not as much of an idiot him, you win, right? Boom, next, right? And he could crank them through pretty quick. But he, that's not what he does. Uh, and we see here there's two things that he does that I think are a great, very instructive for us as we seek to care for people. First thing is that Moses is careful to listen. And to listen first and to listen well to what their problem is. And I can just see Moses kind of serving really as almost a counselor where he's really uh, considering well what's going on. He wants to know the whole story. 
Um, and uh, caring for people means that we really listen to what's going on in their life. Uh, we learn to listen first and not rush to give answers. Now, I don't know what kind of a listener you are. Uh, most studies and research shows that most people are terrible listeners. Uh, and it's a skill we have to learn and develop. We are not naturally, most of us, naturally able to listen to well, especially when people are sharing struggles and problems in their life. Uh, we may be guilty of doing one of these things that we should not do. Maybe we listen in order to compare their story with our story. Have you ever had this experience? You're sharing your struggle, and you, you know, you're pouring out your heart to somebody, and they say, Oh, well, that's nothing. You should have heard what happened to me. Right? They go on and on about how their thing was so much worse. Uh, if you don't believe this, you want to test this, most of us here are international travelers, and I'm sure all of us have a great story, great travel story, right? Getting stuck in some airport somewhere or losing your luggage. So just throw that out there with somebody in a conversation. But one time I was traveling, and I got stuck in Calcutta for three days. Oh, yeah, well, that's nothing. <laughs> My plane crashed in the middle of the ocean, and I had to swim a hundred miles to right? None of us are guilty of that, are we? Right? Moses is not doing that. Right? He's, he's not listening to just compare their story with his. That's not good listening. Secondly, another problem is we listen in order to just fix their problem because we're certain we had the exact same problem. This is a person who listens just enough to their story to connect it with something that happened to them. You had cancer? Oh, well, one time I had a stubbed toenail and an ingrown toenail, and that's kind of the same thing. Aspirin worked for me. You should take aspirin. Right? We do that. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite funny movies is kind of older, maybe irrelevant now, but My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I uh, you saw the movie, but one of the characters in there, their solution for everything was Windex. It's like a universal fix-all, and they were going around like spraying people in the face with Windex because that was supposed to fix everything, right? Well, sometimes we listen because we think we've got the Windex answer, the universal cure, and so we're going to solve people's problems because uh, this helped us. Uh, also not helpful because we're really not listening to their problem, right? Uh, we're not getting past our problem, and we're only focused on what we're for. We're not hearing them. Not helpful. Third thing, we listen because we think we're an expert who can solve anybody's problems. Right? This is probably a problem for some of us guys who kind of have more engineering minds or a bit more analytical. And oftentimes we are experts, and honestly, sometimes we, we do have the answer, right? But there's something about the timing of all this that's really important, right? And I learned this the hard way being married uh, early on when Denise would share with me her problems from the day. I was convinced she was sharing with these because she was feeling kind of stupid and wanted me to just tell her what to do. And so I would. And it did not go well. And I was like, well, you're, you, you told me your problem. I thought you wanted me to explain the clear and obvious solution. She did not appreciate that. And again, timing is, is critical here, right? Because... What people want before they want solutions is they want to know we care enough to really hear what they are saying. And that's one of the reasons Denise would get frustrated with me is because I wasn't really hearing what was going on in her life. I wasn't showing care 
and concern about her struggle. Instead, I was trying to come up with my easy answers. Um, but that's not what Moses was doing here. He was, um, he was listening. Uh, he was caring for them. He was getting the whole story. And that takes time. right? It takes time. And so I'm sure people were getting frustrated, waiting in line, going, man, he's been talking to those people for 45 minutes. Right? At this pace, we're never going to get done, which is the point. Right? They we're never going to get done. But Moses was careful to hear what they were saying. Uh, the reality is that as leaders, whether it's, whether it's just as a parent, all the way up to a leader of a large organization, people will not feel like you care about them until they feel like you really heard them. We've all heard the saying, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. That kind of thing is very true. Very true. Um, we, we need to take the time to really listen and really hear. And it's a skill we must develop. And there's, uh, there's all kinds of books out there to tell you how to do this. So I'm not going to tell you that this morning. But if you know that's a weakness, uh, decide today, right now, you're going to work on listening better, becoming a, a, a top-notch listener. It will launch you well on the way to being a much more effective leader. Um, second thing Moses does, though, he doesn't only listen well, but the next thing it does, it says that he, he seeks God's answer. Um, he does not solve people's problems with human wisdom or his own ideas. It says that the people came so that he would inquire of God for them. And, you know, Moses did not have the privilege of opening up the Bible and, and consulting with Scripture to, to gain wisdom. Um, since he wrote the first books of the Bible, it hadn't happened yet. So what does he do? Well, he goes to God and he seeks God's counsel and wisdom for every single case. God, these two people are fighting and, and I don't know how to help them. I may have my own ideas, but I want to know what your solution is. I want God's answer for these problems. Uh, it says in verse, uh, verse 18, it said he inquired of God. Verse 19, he represents the people before God and brings their cases to him. Impressive, right? God, uh, Moses takes time to carefully bring each case before God and, and, and consult with God and wait to listen and hear from God what his answer is. Um, in our day, uh, we can do this a little easier, but really there are two ways to find God's solutions to people's problems. The first is to pray, right? To pray for people. As people bring to you their issues, their struggles, they, they need your help or advice, or as you just become aware of what's going on in their life, uh, we can go to God and inquire of God and pray and say, God, and I have my ideas, I have my thoughts, but I want to know what is your solution? What is your advice or wisdom in this? The second thing, of course, is to, is to be thoroughly knowledgeable in, his, in the Word. And the reality is, uh, we live after Jesus, after the cross, after the fulfillment of the gospel. And everything that Moses is going to write about in the law points to Jesus as the one who's the ultimate answer and solution to our problems. Uh, so the more we know the word, the more we ourselves are rooted in the gospel, the more we know how the, the cross 
uh, deals with all the issues of life, that it, it lines up our life properly when, when Christ is in the center of it, the better we will be equipped and able to give people not our answers, but God's answers. And the reality is, uh, there's a, there are a lot of leaders out there who lead with human wisdom. And not all human wisdom is bad. Some of it can be very helpful. But people want confidence knowing that what you are sharing with them is not your words and your ideas, but it comes from God. Okay? I could stand up here this morning and I could blab off a bunch of stuff in my own opinion. And it might even it might be entertaining. It might even sound smart. But it's not authoritative. Because who in the world is Tim Dunham? He's nobody, right? He's nothing. He's nothing. Just another struggling human being who, who uh, burns out way too easy because I'm stupid, right? Why would you want to take my advice? I'm telling you right now, best advice I have is don't take my advice, right? But when I can stand up and I can say, I don't know the answer, but this is what the Bible says, right? This is what God's Word says. It's authoritative. People need authoritative answers for their life. And the only way that will happen is if we instruct them what the Bible says. And if we prayerly, prayerfully consider how Scripture speaks to the things they're dealing with. Uh, third thing that, that Moses does he, in his answer, and again, he's, he's just telling Jethro his purpose, what he's doing, right? Third thing he says, that when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another based on this process of hearing God speak. And then I make known to them the statutes of God's and his laws. In other words, I teach them. I teach the people what God's revealing to me, what will eventually become Scripture, will become the Torah, the law in the Old Testament. Um, so, so that's his answer. And basically what, what Moses is, is describing here is that his problem results directly from his earnest desire to help people. Right? There's nothing, in fact, when, when, in a minute when Jethro gives his answer, he does not in any way alter... Moses' mission. Right? He doesn't say, well, that's stupid. Why are you spending so much time in prayer? You don't need God. He doesn't say that. Right? He in fact, he preserves very carefully those three things that Moses is engaged in. Um, but, uh, as, as Jethro looks on, he, he observes that um, you know, he is taking, he's caring for people. He's taking the time and effort to really listen. And he is, is doing, in many ways, the right thing. Um, caring well for people like this takes, takes time and effort. It takes energy. Um, but uh, I think Moses is a good example that people are attracted to leaders who do this. Right? When leaders care well for those under them, when they listen well, when they prayerfully and before God wrestle with how to help people. People like following those kind of leaders. And we all have had experiences with another kind of leader, right? Those who are full of their own wisdom, who, who give you no attention, who will not listen to anything going on in your life because they just know it all, right? How many of us love to follow leaders like that? Anybody? No, we don't, we don't respect people like that. And it's unfortunate that too often those kind of people end up in leadership positions but it's a position, it's not truly leading. Because nobody wants to follow people who don't demonstrate 
a heart of care and concern for others. Um, if you care about people and you are doing this in your life right now, uh, listening well to people and, and sharing with them the wisdom and counsel of God, you are a leader. And you may be leading more people than you realize. Right? You may not have a position. You may not hold any title. But I'm telling you, if you care for people well, you have influence as a leader. And there are people who will follow you because they know that you care about them. Uh, the flip side, if you, people, if you feel like people don't follow you, and maybe you have the position, maybe you don't have the position, but you feel like nobody really follows me. Nobody really listens to me. Nobody really does what I tell them to. Right? Ever feel that way? Um, here's, here's a suggestion. Right? Maybe they don't because they don't feel that you care about them or are interested in them. Not that you're not. Maybe you're very interested and maybe you're very caring. But something about the way you approach them, something about the way you interact with people, they, they don't feel that. They don't have that sense of that. And so they don't really want to follow you. Or another problem could be that they're not, uh, that they know you listen, they know you care, but they don't trust your counsel because they feel like it's too much human wisdom or your own ideas. If you want to be a leader like Moses, uh, you, know, you need to learn to care for people like Moses did. And I guarantee you will have people following you. Um, so Moses does this, and because he does this so well, he does have a large following. And I think this is kind of how it works. People who do this well have more people coming to them for help than they can help, and they have time and energy to deal with. And that certainly is what was happening with Moses. So the next part of it is we need to not only listen well, but we need to learn how to develop leaders. We need to know how to invest in people uh, not only to help them, but to develop them to share the load, to multiply ourselves, to train others to share in the work we are doing, um, to empower others uh, by giving them responsibility and sharing the load with them. And this is the thing Moses was not doing well, and this is what, what Jethro helps him with. Uh, verse 17, he says this, he says, uh, Jethro says to Moses, what you're doing is not good. And again, he's not attacking Moses' desire to help. He's attacking his lack of sharing the load. He says, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. You're headed for burnout. Not only you, but the people with you. Because they're tired of standing in line all day, right? This is not Thai immigration. You know, they don't want to stand up at 3 in the morning, right? They want better, faster service. So you got you got to fix this. Um, the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone, he says. Uh, so, um, so the first thing um, Jethro was very clear about is that caring for people does not mean we should do this alone. Right? If you went to head for burnout, just, just do it all by yourself. Guaranteed burnout. Uh, we, uh, and, and God has designed and intended that we do this as community and in teams with other people. Now, uh, I've seen so many people coming to Thailand with great vision, great heart, great desire to minister and to do, do ministry, who 
have huge passion, huge heart to show God's love to people, but they really fail on this point. And they, they burn out because they try to do it all by themselves. And they did not have the skills or the, the, the vision, the, the capacity to develop others to share the load with them. Uh, so I want to... Um, and, 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 and as I've talked with these people and they, they counseled, most of them don't want to work alone, right? Some do, but there's those few. But most want to work with team. Most, but they would say, I don't know how to make this happen. You know, God just hasn't sent those people. I'm praying, but they just haven't dropped out of the sky. You know, I'm looking, but they're not here. What do we do? And it's, it's one of the challenges of, of ministry in our context where we're dependent on volunteers. Or we're not a company, so we usually can't just hire staff necessarily. We look for volunteers. Uh, we, we, uh, we maybe don't have the resources. And so we feel like, well, I would love help, but God hasn't provided them. Well, I think Jethro would, would, would have some suggestions for you, right? For how you can do this, how you can develop and increase uh, your helpers so that you're not doing this all alone. Uh, so let's look at, at Jethro's advice to Moses and it, or his advice to us as well. Verse 19, he says, Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. Uh, and it's important to note here that uh, Jethro is not superseding God, right? He's very careful to do exactly what Moses was doing. He says, I've seen things, and I feel like God has given me wisdom. And I think God will be with you in this if you listen to my advice. Um, in fact, he says at the end of verse 23, he repeats, he says, if you do this, God will direct you. So Jethro is confident that what he's speaking is not human wisdom. It really is from God. And it will help Moses care for people better. Um, and, and it's interesting that, um, that Jethro, Jethro heard very clearly uh, kind of Moses' vision for ministry of listening, of interceding, of bringing God's word to people. And Jethro affirms that. And, and, and in essence, he says, uh, he says uh, God will be with you and you shall warm them. Um, he says, you, your job is to represent the people before God and bring their cases to God to warn them about the statutes and the laws. In short, what, what, what Jethro urges Moses, he says, Moses, you need to focus on what you do best. You need to focus on what God has called you to. And Moses had a very unique calling. His calling was to stand before God and hear God's word uh, in each of these cases. Um, that, was not, that was not something the general population of that day could do. It was a unique role of Moses to stand before God and say, God, what should we do about these situations? And Moses was uniquely called to hear God's voice. Um, and Jethro says, you need to focus on that. Right? That should be the thing that you do, is stand before God and hear God speak and write it down so you can teach it to the people, the laws and statutes and commands of God's. Of God, that's what you do. Um, don't let these other things distract you and take you away from what God has called you to. Um, do you know what God has specifically gifted you for and called you to? Um, you should know that, right? At this point, in your, if you're if you're in ministry, if you've been saved for a while, 
one of the first things we need to figure out is that thing. What is it God has called you to do? To be a parent, to be a teacher of, of elementary kids, to be uh, a church planter, to be an evangelist, to be an encourager, to be a counselor. What is it that God has gifted and called you to? Because he's called you to something. Now, by call, I don't mean necessarily that you, you know, heard like voices from heaven or whatever, but, but you know what your mission in life is. You know where you operate with the highest degree of skill and capacity. Um, you need to find out what that is. And uh, it may not be what is natural to you, right? Uh, you need to get this confirmed with the counsel of friends and, and others who can affirm that this is a gift for you. Uh, I still to this day do not feel in my natural self that I have a gift of preaching. Right? I've had other people who have affirmed that for me. Uh, it's something I'm really quite reluctant to do. But I feel that God has confirmed that in several ways. And so it doesn't matter how I feel. I know that's what God's called me to. Do you know uh, what God has called you to? Uh, when you know what that is, make sure that is your first priority in life and ministry. And I don't mean by that that your ministry precedes worshiping God or taking care of your family. But this should be the thing that by which you serve God and by which you love people, right? The thing he's called you to do. Um, focus on that. Second thing he tells Moses, he says, verse 20, verse B, part B, make, make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. In other words, teach everyone, right? Uh, but then he says in verse 21, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands and hundreds, fifties, and tens. Right, so this one has actually two parts to it. Teach everyone, empower some. Right, teach everyone, empower some. He tells Moses, teach everyone. Don't teach just the leaders. Don't focus just on the special people. You need to make sure everybody understands and knows the way they should live. Why is that important? Well, it's kind of preventative, right? Because as these people are coming uh, with all these problems and all these disputes and all these cases, one of the issues for them is they don't really know what God expects of them. They haven't, they, they haven't received the commands yet. And so Joseph says, look, the better job you do equipping everybody to know what's right and wrong, how they should treat each other, how they should live together, that'll solve a lot of your problems. Teach everyone broadly. Um, it, is, it is strategic for us to teach as many as you can. Now, uh, you may say, well, I'm not a teacher. But every one of us has an area of expertise, something God has equipped and enabled us to do. And we need to be sharing that knowledge and that wisdom and that skill as broadly as possible. Right? Don't hold that knowledge to just a handful of specialist-like people. Be a crusader for what you do well and share it broadly. That's what he's telling Moses. It's strategic. It'll save you work in the long run. Uh, Jesus modeled this well. Uh, he taught the crowds. As many people as would come, he would teach them. Thousands he would teach, right? Because he knew it was beneficial to get the word out to as many as possible. But at the same time, Jesus, as well as Jethro, is encouraging Moses to select a few to train and empower. 
to do the work you're doing, to multiply yourself. He says in verse 21, Moreover, look for able men from among all the people. Let's talk about able men or women or people, qualified people. All right, when I counsel with people and they ask and they say, I, I know I'm working alone and I want helpers, but I just can't find anybody qualified. And, and here's the problem. We read verses like this and we read it this way. Find people who are able to do everything that you do. Right? Can anybody really be as good at anything as you are? <laughs> well, maybe not, actually. Maybe not. Maybe you are an expert at what you do. Right? Maybe you are very, very good at it. Maybe God has gifted and skilled you with uh, giving you skills and a capacity that's really at the top. And you think, well, when God brings up somebody who's at my level, then I'll turn them loose. Right? But so far, all he's put around me are just incompetent people. Right? None of them can do it at the level I do it. But that's not actually what Jethro tells Moses. He just says able people, able to do something, right? They don't have to be able to do what you do. Just find somebody who's able to do something, right? In fact, he says later on, he says, you know, you take the big cases, you take the hard cases, but any small matter, they can decide. Right? Sometimes people fight. It doesn't take a genius to figure out who's right and wrong, right? He says they don't have to be as good as you. They just have to be able, We'll see in a minute, it's important that they also have character, right? Character may be more important. It says, find people who can do something. Uh, more and more in, in schools, uh, teachers are using student mentors. And this is a great picture of this. In a first grade classroom, there's no first grader that's at the level of the adult teacher. And never will be, right? Uh, there's no way, there's too much of a gap. But that doesn't mean there's not other first graders who are ahead in reading or ahead in math who can help uh, their fellow students. And more and more teachers are using this method where they have peer mentors, students who are helping. Um, and they don't have to be at the level of the teacher. They just have to be one step ahead of the person they're helping. Right? For a lot of us, that's where we are. Right? We're just one step ahead of the person we're helping. There's great wisdom in that. Um, the reality is that if you're ministering to people and you have too many people that you can take care of, I guarantee there are people in your group who can do something, right? Who can do a piece of your ministry to take the burden off of you. But we have to be willing to empower them, to give them freedom to do that without micromanaging them, right? To set them loose and give them authority to do their part. Um, he also says, not only choose choose. And quality matters. He says, pick people who have high character, who are trustworthy, who are God-fearing. Uh, if you have to choose between character and competence, go with character. Right? Go with character. Because sometimes competent people without character will just cause you problems. He says, pick people who have high character, even if they have low ability. Because God will work through them. And he says, finally, he says, choose, choose enough. Choose quantity. He doesn't say to Moses, Moses, you just need an assistant. If you had an assistant, if you had a really good secretary, he would manage all this. No. The problem's way beyond that. He doesn't need an assistant. He needs an army of people. But he needs a lot. He says, make sure you find enough help to really help. Find a way to multiply yourself so that you are raising up lots of other people to share the load. 
not just one or two at the very top. And empower them to be successful. Give them the authority and training and develop them to do well. If you feel like you don't have uh, help, right, uh, think through what you are looking for. Because chances are the people you need to help you are right there. But they need your, you to invest in them and to help them take the first step. Next thing, Jethro says, uh, place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Um, the point here is we need to know our limits. Know your limits. Uh, when you look at the math of all this, uh, what's the most any one person would care for in this structure? If you've got people over thousands, people over hundreds, people over 50, people over tens, what's the most any one person would take care of? Ten, right? The person of over thousands is taking care of the leaders of the hundreds. It's ten of those, right? If you're over 10,000, you're taking care of the leaders of the thousands. If you're over 100, you're taking care of the leaders of the tens. In this breakdown, nobody's taking care of more than 10 people. Uh, there's probably something in this. Right? When Jesus raised up and, and called his disciples, how many disciples did he have? 12, right? 12. No, he sent out 70 but actually, those that were his disciples, the ones he personally worked with and cared for, there was 12. Right? Uh, perhaps there is a, a human limitation here that we can only really care well for up to about 10 people. Beyond that, we don't have the time and energy and focus to take good care of more than that. Right? Um, now, presumably, these were ten families, not necessarily ten individuals. But the idea is that they each had a limited scope of, of leadership focus. Of course, Moses was leading them all. But in this scenario, he would focus on, a, on ten, right, on a handful that he would care for. And those people would take good care of the leaders that they care for and on down the line. Right? Know your limits. Uh, and structure your life and your ministry so that when you get up to ten people, you find another leader. You split the group in two, right? You share the load. Uh, honestly, CCF has done a terrible job at this. And we've wrestled for years how to do this well. And uh, several months ago, I was struggling with this, and I feel like God gave me his wisdom. And we're going to be sharing with that with you soon, very soon, about how we hope to take care of people better because I can't take care of all of you. I love you all. And I want to minister to you. You're more than ten. Right? And if ten's my limit, I, I can't take care of all of you. No matter how much I want to, right? I will only burn out or just mostly be ineffective. I think I'm mostly in the second category right now. Um, Jethro says, it will be easier. If you do this, it will be easier for you. And they, that is, these other leaders, will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Um, here's the alternative to this. The alternative is one of two things. Either you will be very ineffective as a leader because people will not think you care for them. Right? No matter how much you really do care, if you're trying to take care of 50, 100, 200, 300 people, they're just going to be discouraged because they're not going to get the attention from you that they need. 
and, and you're going to be ineffective as a leader who cares well for people. Or you're going to burn out. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to crash and burn. Uh, you're going to go back to your home country and you're going to feel like you were a failure as a missionary because you couldn't, you couldn't do it. Uh, it, is, it is critical, if we want to do this well, that we learn how to develop other leaders and we share the load with them. Last thing, um, be able to learn from criticism. Does anybody here love being criticized? <laughs> I just love being criticized. It's so exciting when people send you those emails with 29 points of everything you do wrong, right? Um, it says in verse 24, So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Right? Moses doesn't get defensive. He doesn't say, Jethro, what do you know? You're just a sheep herder. What do you know about leading nations? Don't you see I'm leading a nation here? Who do you think you are to tell me what to do, right? He doesn't do that. He's humble. And he listens and he, he hears Jethro's criticism and he considers it and he, he says, wow, that's... That's actually true, right? I am failing because I'm not, I'm not really taking care of people even though I want to because I have not uh, trained up others. And so he, he, he falls in line. He, he puts into practice all that his father-in-law shared. Um, if you're leading at any level, from, from being a parent of, of, of one child on up, right, you will hear criticism. And Moses is very encouraging this. Moses is, is God's choice. Moses is a great leader. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Moses stood in God's presence and heard directly from God what he was supposed to do. And yet, he was not perfect. Right? He was not doing it all right. Uh, he had things that could be criticized about his life and ministry. And he was humble enough to receive it. Um, does it mean that all criticism is valid when people criticize you? Not necessarily. And the reality is when people aren't being cared for well, they don't feel like you care for them, sometimes they'll just throw rocks at you because they, they're ticked off. Right? They just want to get your attention. Maybe their criticisms are not valid, but we should always stop and evaluate, you know, why is it people aren't feeling that we're caring for them? Why is it people are frustrated? How are we not meeting their needs? And, and, and seek God about how he would help you fix that. It does take a lot of humility. And if, if we are trying to lead because we are, you know, we're all about our own reputation and glory and we want you know, people to be impressed with us, you know, criticism will be hard for you and you will be, become defensive when people point out flaws in your ministry. But if you really are seeking to love and care for people, and you really are committed to God's glory, you will welcome criticism as a gift, and you will find ways to grow and improve uh, by listening carefully to what people share. Uh, out of these things, uh, as we close, which of them is an issue for you? Um, are, you are you trying to do so many things that you're not doing any one thing well? Um, what would God have you do about that? Uh, do you know your limits? Are you trying to take care of too many people? Are you trying to do it all yourself? 
Uh, how are you doing at training up others and empowering others to lead and, and share the load with you? Right? Which of those things is a problem? You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.